there's usually a lot of judgment that comes up around making peace with our present reality. There's like usually a long list of things that come up that are not okay right now. That we assume aren't okay right now. And a lot of those things have to do with the mind and the body kind of being at war. So I'm gonna, we're gonna go through like a three step process today of the approach when we are feeling like the mind and body are at war and when we're trying to get to the goal of that tranquility within ourselves, that unity between the mind and the body. And so it's really a three-step process. And the first one is that it we have to first notice that it's easier to fight with others than to fight with ourselves. Whenever it comes to discipline, it's very it's much easier to discipline someone else or critique someone else. But to, to critique ourselves can be really challenging. And to look within and to navigate, sometimes we don't even know where to look. So it's much easier to point outward than at somebody else than point inward. And what that ends up doing is creating a really uncomfortable environment in general. But when we, when we want to heal and like an isolated part of ourselves or a character trait, or just something that we're struggling with, we have to kind of get the body and the mind on the same page, which is really, really important. And a great way to balance this out is knowing the difference between knowing in your head and understanding it in your body. So a really simple one would be If you think about like um, a smoker, for example, he knows in in his head that smoking's bad and he decides, okay, I'm going to stop smoking. I'm going to try to stop smoking. And it comes time for him to, uh, you know, he start, you know, the first craving comes on and he goes for that cigarette and he's like, nope, I'm, I'm not gonna do this. But what ends up happening is, is his mind, right? Because he knows in his head that if he doesn't stop, smoking will kill him. But as he goes for that cigarette and he resists, right? And he's like, no, I'm not going to do this. His body tells him that if he doesn't have the cigarette, he's also going to die. Because whatever that belief and habit that he's already built or that's ingrained is so ingrained that he 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 believes right because his crutch that reach is so is so concrete at this point that he has this kind of false belief that if he stops he's going to die just like 
um, if any, you know, with any kind of addiction or any kind of thing. So just notice in your life how that, you know, where in in your life if you've if you've experienced that kind of experience, and then what happens is, is when that happens, then he usually gives in to having the cigarette because that's stronger because that habit has been repeated so many times. It's one after the next, after the next. Same with like a cell phone, um, with reaching for our cell phone. Um, You know, like for a lot of people, if you're sitting and waiting and you have nothing to do or you're feeling uncomfortable, we just grab the phone. And what happens is, is you can be pushing nothing. There could be nothing going on in the sense that you're scrolling or searching And that's kind of where we go for the search, right? We go for the seeking rather than the seeing, right? Um, Where in life, the goal is to be able to see clearly, not constantly be, be in this space of lure of the search, even though it's extremely enticing. Now, why this is so important is because when you think of that lure, we're so addicted to the lure of it that when I ask you what you really want and I put that thing right in front of you and I'm like, okay, I can solve that problem. There's a fear that shows up because then what happens is that pattern that we've created of of seeking or reaching, right? So just like with the cigarette, it's that reach, the purpose that that addiction has created. And when we talk about addiction, we're not talking about Um, you know, like the big stuff. I'm talking about the teeny tiny micro things that we do on a day-to-day basis that we we assume give us purpose and we assume are helping us get to our destination. But what's happened is, is we've adopted these habits out of survival and the head knows one thing. The head knows that we should we um, we should stop, but the body, to have purpose, is feeling that it has to continue in this cycle. So, and if you don't, and and the body's telling you if you don't continue in that cycle, it's it's almost like you're gonna lose purpose or you're wasting your time. Whatever those narratives are. So. It's really important to notice when your mind and body are not on the right page, not on the same page. A great way to do this is to ask yourself, what do you want? Okay. If all, you know, if we put all the guns down, (laughs) right, if we eliminate all the threats and all the, all the things, if we eliminate all the things and I say to you right now, you can have the thing you want. Are you in a position to receive it? Are you in a position to perform in in a way where it's going to be constructive to this desire? And if the answer is yes, then you have to ask yourself, what are the things I, what are the, the steps I need to take towards that? If not, you have to ask yourself, am I so 
addicted to my patterns or my beliefs, even one that might say I'm not good enough or I'm not ready, right? Or I might not be able to. Those are things that at the end of the day can sabotage the desire. And that's the illusion, like what I shared with last week with light and money, like so many people just say, I need more money. It's the finances. And again, that's also a lure. That's like one of the largest lures now nowadays is saying to yourself, I need money rather than I need that light, right? That, that space, that illumination, the, the, that spiritual connection, um, my body and my mind at peace, that flow. Um, so that is even the biggest one. And especially... And, and the approach to that, which I find is always fascinating, is when people, a lot of people think of their spiritual practice or leveling their spiritual practice or leaning into their spiritual practice, they think of it as restrictive. And the reason a lot of times restriction comes up is because of the addiction we have to, to all the external things. And when, when we know that the only way to be at peace, at peace with ourselves as is if our body and our mind and our soul are completely united. But there's, you know, we don't want that. We, we, we want the chase. There's this, this excitement in the chase. So in number two, it's getting the mind and the body on the same page and noticing that what will feel like death in itself, right? The, the body will tell you, no, no, I, without it, I don't have a purpose. Might just be the habit in itself dying. Because a lot of times, um, you know, I even had this, I had this uh, happen to me um, a couple months ago where I was doing some healing healing work. And I felt that genuine emotional experience of dying. I felt like I was dying. I, I started going around feeling like there was death looming. <laughs> and Baruch Hashem, I'm in a good place. And so it's not, so I had to say to myself, well, what is this? What is going on? What I realized was when I was feeling that experience of death, it was the sense of me shedding. There were habits shedding. And when habits shed, it feels like death. It feels like dying. And it could be that misconception where sometimes, and again, I always say consult your doctor and all the rest. But on a day-to-day -day basis, if there is something that we see or have that perception of, oh my gosh, it feels like I'm dying or something within me is dying. If you're going through a healing process, there's a huge possibility that you're shedding. There's a shedding happening where you're letting go of something and it, there's a misconception of it feeling almost suicidal. So whenever that kind of thing happens, there's that you know little bit of happiness within, but what I have to do is curate that environment within myself to put the conflict on pause really allow myself to relax in and lean in and allow the healing to do its its thing and then going back to that list of wants of what did I want and if the want is to let go of certain things right if I want to be living in a proactive ex experience and in my full self 
be able to connect completely and have that unity, that, that emotional and spiritual, physical unity. I gotta stop fighting with myself and with others. But what happens is I gotta let go. So then you have to ask yourself, what do you want more? Do you wanna move forward? Do you wanna be at peace in your presence? Or do you wanna commit to the misery or the narrative or the animated story that we've created and said a thousand times to all the people around us as we look for pity, almost like charity. And that's something that's so, so impactful um, where it's like, you know, when we, have, when we suffer and when we have pain, it's almost like we're going out into the world with this open arm, with this open hand asking for somebody else's pity. Um, yes, talk to somebody, 100% work on the things you need but the difference is when we come to that conclusion right and this is going to be leaning into that that third that third part is when we come to the conclusion that we want to commit to the body and the mind being on the same page we're not going to be leaning outward we're going to be leaning inward and rather than looking for that compassion right the pity or the compassion what we're gonna look for is the strength and the courage within for this specific exercise. To get the mind and the body on the same page, there has to be this constant emotional regulation where we do this practice of getting the mind and the body on the same page, thinking of it almost like an elevator. And a great exercise which you can try is when we're sitting in this kind of position is notice when you have a disc, an uncomfortable thought that comes up or an uncomfortable emotion that comes up. Notice if it's in the mind or if it's in the body. Then notice what's attached to it. And then you get into that elevator if it's in your body or in your mind, wherever that is. And escorted by breath, you move it from the mind to the body, like the elevator going down, or the opposite way, if it's in the body, you use the body, the, the, you start in the body and you go up to the mind. And what you try to do is notice how that feels in the mind, what the mind has to say about it. And you can do this when you're outside of a trigger because again, when we're sensitive and overwhelmed, this can be really, really challenging. But on your, like in your quiet time, I love doing this like Shabbos morning because I feel like, um, I just feel like I have the most peace of mind and there's, I can't be distracted. Um, so I grab a warm drink and I sit with myself and I start this kind of process. And you go from the mind to the body and then back to the, from the body to the mind moving through slow breath and just noticing is my body and my mind on the same page and if it's not you just keep working through knowing asking yourself well what do i really want and then just keep moving through it until you get the clarity if these things don't happen so the question is like this when we don't work on these kind of things there are some side effects and the side effects is 
it's really as simple as if you think about a relationship, right? Having a partner, right? Because the mind and the body are partners. In your life, if you have other partners, whatever that is, your children, your parents, your we live in communities. No, None of us live alone. So it's noticing and taking accountability for us living in this, in this kind of society, right? So, so thinking about neglecting your partner can lead to breakdown of the marriage. And thinking of even, even if you are living alone, right? So the thing is, is even if you're living alone, you're still living in your mind and in your body. And the only way to allow other people into the life, into our life, is to get those two on the same page. Because they're not at peace. Because if we're not at peace, that is not, a, your, your body and your mind are not going to be at peace. So what happens is, is when we neglect one or the other, it, it, it literally leads to breakdown. It leads to breakdown at some point when there's neglect. So it's one of those things that we, we have to know that to be able, it, it's, it's a daily, it's a daily, um, it's a daily avoda. It's a daily work. Um, somebody said to me once, they said, they asked me, why do, why do I need a daven? Why, why do I need to talk to Hashem? Like why? And I said to them, well, he, I, he, he should know I, I love him and care or whatever. And I said, when you think of a partner, when you think of your own partner, any partner in life, if you have a healthy partner in the sense of you want a healthy relationship, you are going to communicate with that partner. That's what keeps the relationship up, is when you have a relationship, you are communicating with that partner. So when we're trying to create quality relationships with God or the people in our life, it's really, really important to start with ourselves because if we are neglecting a part of ourselves and we're not communicating, there's that sense of isolation. There's that sense of neglect that we end up experiencing. And then it reflects into the relationships outside of our body. So it starts within, really, that um, interior design really, really starts within. So take that time to really build that. And the way that you build this is by building routine. The beauty of Judaism, and I can't say this enough, is there is a sense of routine. And some people will say, I don't like when people tell me what to do. I hear that. But there is something really fundamental about having routine. Making time for the things that are important to you. It's an investment. And the beauty of Yiddishkeit is having a structure, a daily structure and a weekly structure, and then a yearly structure. And even now coming into Rosh Hashanah, there's this beauty of tshuva, which I talk about in meditation all the time, is like using that practice of return, right? It's not about not doing bad things, as people say. It's about noticing what is going on and then returning, constantly returning. And one of the greatest meditations you can do if you have no other meditation to do is experiencing this spent this experience of return where you sit with yourself for about 13 minutes. Andrew Huberman said from 
you know, from neuroscience, this really works, where you sit with yourself for 13 minutes. You don't think about anything specific. All you do is notice when when your mind drifts away and you return it back to your body. And then notice it drifts off again and then you return it back to your body. In Judaism, we do this on a daily basis and we do this on a yearly basis. And when we think about Rosh Hashanah, and we think of these, these, these times, right, the month of Elul, this is what that is, is that we constantly take that time. It's a whole month of return, returning back to yourself, returning and aligning to your emotional self, your spiritual self, your physical self, because we are in this world in a body. And sometimes the soul is just buried underneath all of it. And as we chase finances, we forget that the thing, the battery that keeps us going is light, that light and that illumination, that spiritual torch. So I encourage you all to, as you move into your day today and into Shabbos and into Elul, to lean into that light, lean into strengthening those habits, build routine, build build healthy routine, and strong relationships. And what that does is it, it prevents inf- infidelity, which sounds crazy. But infidelity, when we think of infidelity on a personal level, is nothing can get in. As soon as you have a good, a good relationship and a good routine, routine eliminates the that component of letting other things in. And it might feel restrictive. And it might feel like dying right back to that but at the end of the day if we're building that routine and we're fortifying that structure there's a lot a lot of siyata deshmaya that shows up in that day-to-day we watch many doors open up and it prevents other things from bleeding in so again thank you so so much for joining me today and i hope this was helpful i also want to thank you all We hit that halfway mark with um, collecting for the phone line, which I really, really appreciate. And I'm so grateful to every single one of you because every single one of you that show up, show up as a light. And as I started class, I was sharing with you, but I'll share with all of you how valuable every single one of you are. Sometimes we don't think that us showing up matters, but every single one of you have a beautiful light and a beautiful presence and by showing up for yourselves you're showing up for others and really creating a space where this healing can be done and we could be living in our truth right so thank you so much for joining me today i'm esther levy and this is an ujai um podcast practice um i have interior designer the book interior designer out so feel free to check that out um, in on my website Um, and i also do privates if anyone's ever interested in personal coaching where we go a lot deeper into the structure of interior design i look forward to continuing this practice and for now have a beautiful beautiful day and to be continued